This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In by Kuliszewski. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and flick my penises, there's the breakthrough. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. (laughs) My impressively large collection of penises. So, like... How how did that happen? This is this is an AI on on a on a video, right? On trying to work you, out what the commentator was saying when Perisic got a flick on. Yeah, flick on by Perisic. I is I'm pretty sure is what he says. Um, and this is you've put me into a corner now. It's not really my screenshot. <gasps> John McKenzie sent me the screenshot. I said you can tweet this if you want. I was out, uh, <laughs> but I thought it, I thought it was good content. But now, now maybe I've under undermined its value. No, no, no. I mean, basically, John deserves lots of credit. I think. It's, yeah. So, so he's good, getting it here, which is fun. which is nice. Yeah. Um, let's let's get straight into it. Uh, Bud, your your voice is a little husky because you were you were enjoying the um, the wolves. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could do more games like that. It's it's August. August is meant to be a bit of fun, you know. Football's not quite serious yet. People are still <laughs> off, just off the beach, are still settling in new new transfers and stuff. And <laughs> it was quite stressful. It was an end of if it had the end of season, a lot of pressure feel to that game, and um, we're only three games in, and it shouldn't be like that right now. And we need to start scoring early just to just to make life a lot easier for everybody in the stadium. Yeah, I think um I think they're working up to peak fitness, so it, it, it will come. Um let's start with the team selection. Um Nathan, Perisic in for Sessignon, I guess not a huge surprise, and Sanchez covering for Romero. I wanted something other than that. I don't know what exactly. I just want us to not be going into our second season going, if Romero gets hurt, we're going to have a Davinson Sanchez situation. And look, he was really good defensively again. I saw a tweet something about him, like it's been seven hours of pitch time since we've conceded yeah. with Davinson Sanchez on the pitch, right? That's not going to last. Um, but he's a good defender, but he he does he does defensive damage to us by lessening our ability in, in possession mm-hmm. and, and creating a threat on the turnover and... Um, 
yeah, just nothing happening up the right side of the pitch for us um, for a lot of the game. And again, we're going to have to talk about you know tactical context. I think Wolves set up really, mm. really well, um, but exacerbated by by you know if we have Romero there, maybe we get to some earlier solutions in that game. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Yeah. Uh, so Wolves defended. So they they were they were interesting. I thought Wolves uh, way more interesting than I yeah. expected. So they defended in a a five three two shape with Pedro yep. Neto as a right wing back in the defensive phase and they attacked in a 2-3-5 shape with Pedro Neto as a extreme right winger uh in the attacking phase um and the, the two who who pressed did a really effective job I thought so it's Guedes and Pedence uh who who pressed our backline did a very effective job of shuttling the ball out to our wide center backs as much as possible and making them sort of play balls up the line which um they would they were then able to press and defend quite well um and they let Dyer have some of the ball from deep, but his passing was was quite off kilter. I thought um, not that he had a great deal to aim at. So yeah, I'm really really impressed with Wolves' setup. I must say, um, I would say similarly to Chelsea, they didn't cause us too many problems. Uh, the, the times they they caused us problems were generally from our own making. So uh, Bentancur got robbed on around halfway, and Guedes burst forward and ended up having a shot just wide. Davinson Sanchez just let a ball bounce inexplicably and nearly caused a problem in our box. But really, they we we kept them at arm's length for a lot of the game. I felt there was danger. I think there was danger in that first half. I think they they had Pos- some decent through, through possession, attacks. right? More than um, well, through possession, everything ended in a long shot from yeah. them because they love because they, they've got they Ruben Neves. <laughs> Yeah, mainly. Yeah, that. there was a there was a real fear in the crowd every time Neves got the ball. But does he actually score that many long range goals? I don't think he's like got even like a Tom Huddleston. Rate. He scored a couple, but there was a genuine fear every time the ball was pulled back to him. Everyone was screaming, hmm. closing down. But Wolves, it was more like a suggested danger. It wasn't. I wasn't that scared. Hmm. It's kind of like swimming in the sea that there could be a shark or something knocking around, but it's not really there. So you can't see the danger. So you you still kind of splash about. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a real danger or real. There was that one header, but even that just came from situations that just occurred rather than sustained pressure or any kind of fear. The one, the strange thing was that when Adama came on, there was in the stadium there was a genuine like, oh, he still plays there, and every time the ball went near him, there was just screams of just bring him down. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, he was completely ineffective as it turned out, right? He just totally sort of just did nothing, essentially. Didn't, didn't stop the guy in front of me talking about how um, Adama oils up his arms. Does it, Is this a thing? He yeah, 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 yeah. To stop players grabbing he, him and putting him down, I guess. He has a dislocation issue. He has a ligamental issue, I imagine, of some sort, a labrum thing in his shoulder. So he gets easy dislocations and everyone's always grabbing all the time because it's the only way to, mm. to slow him down. So he's constantly getting his arms ripped out of their sockets. So they he... He lubes up for for shoulder <laughs> defense. He's glistening at all times. I really felt this was a game of two halves from Spurs in the attacking sense, and um, for me, that was most typified by um, Ivan Perisic and Rodrigo Bentancur. Um, I thought Bentancur really struggled in the first half, and he was very sort of um, lethargic. And in the second, it was almost instant. He was just straight out of the blocks, pressing really high, really hard, and led the press throughout the second half and led to our uh, midfield playing at least 10 yards higher up the pitch, as far as I could tell. And Perisic, who 
you know, he, he, he dug out an absolutely superb cross as he does every single time at right at the end of the first half. But on the whole in the first half, it was pretty quiet. And to be honest, didn't really get close enough to Neto a few times and let Neto go past him uh, defensively. In the second half, totally different player because we're playing higher up the pitch. He was able to run onto the ball in space and, and, and do his, do some of his best work and had a really, really strong second half performance, I thought. So I've moved seat now in the stadium. I've gone from um, the south stand. I used to be on the right-hand side. So um, so I was the opposite side to, to Conte. So this season, I've moved to the left-hand side. So I'm, I, as I look straight in front of me, I have Conte at the touchline. So it's, it's Perisic's side for the first half. And he did look like a 34-year-old wing-back. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned because you're right. There was a few times his, um, his man got past him. Who, who Was it Neto? Yeah. He went past yeah, he's, he's a good player, Neto. He's yeah. going to be. He's going to be. He's going to beat wing backs, right? But it was too easy sometimes, yeah. and then he was struggling to get up as well. And I was just like, I was concerned. But you're right. Second half, he was totally different. Whether his starting position was a lot higher, mm-hmm. and he kind of, um, kind of, he, he bluffed his way a little bit through it, and he forced them back just by being higher. But the first half was a concern for me. Uh, yeah, I um, really, really impressed with him on the ball. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's a little early. Maybe he's still because because obviously the, his is his first start. So maybe not quite there, match sharpness yet in terms of of his tracking back and his and his his complete agility. But so definitely something to keep an eye on there. But he was yeah. fantastic second half. He was unbelievable in the final third. He was a real threat. He caused problems. Got himself the assist. He was great in the second half. This talent he has for managing to get a cross in and not just a cross, a really dangerous cross from a situation where he is basically facing away from goal and is totally Hmm. cramped by fullback. It is extraordinary. I don't think I've ever known a player able to do that in the same way that he does. I I assume it is pure brute strength. I mean, I've seen his body. He is ripped. Um, I've seen him doing various leg presses. I know that he has immense strength <laughs> in his legs uh, it is so so impressive and like I said they're all good crosses as well like he hangs them up with in, into dangerous areas that uh, that Kane is going to very much enjoy being on the end of and, and Richardson I think as well who's another good header of the ball I, I think um, there's a lot of potential there um, yeah I mean that was definitely the Perisic we were hoping for that we saw in the second half there. And I think Conte recognised that post-match. The other player who I thought had a really strong game was Kulusevski. I mean... Second half only, though, I would say. Yeah, again, again, just massively improved in the second half. Um, But he's just so good. He's so good. The way he gets his body between the man and the ball... Um, I mean, he gets beaten up every game. He's constantly got players like hanging yeah. off his back, and yet he just plows on. And he, yeah, he's such a dangerous, dangerous player. I was, uh, I thought he was getting beaten up, and I, I was going to go in on the referee. I was going oh, to complain. Oh, hundred percent. That's a good shout. But one of our newest listeners, uh, Rabin, he's going to appreciate the shout out. I he messaged me after the game, and I, I just sent, I said to him, this ref was a joke. And he said to me, do you know what? The referee was all right. He didn't get anything that badly wrong. And it's crazy because I thought he was the worst ref I'd ever seen in my life. He was, <laughs> he, he was, and I know referees are supposed to let things go now, but he was letting their fouls, letting their tackles go, but not letting ours go. So it was, it was strange. And in my heart of hearts, I thought this is, 
come back for Chelsea. The referees, huh. all, they've all sat down. And Jack decided said that. that. Jack said that on <laughs> the roost as well. Yeah. They're going to get us for, for all the kind of the wrongs we did last week. They're going to write it this week. And I, I, yeah, I was really upset with the referee. He wasn't good. He wasn't dreadful. He, like, I've seen a lot worse, but um, he wasn't good. He, they did miss, the officials missed some fairly basic stuff like um, giving goal kicks when there should have been corners and things like that, which to be honest, like I don't know why VAR can't just... Ref- just correct that situation it, when it's really obvious. It's it seems silly to me. It would take seconds, um, but that was it was annoying. And the, and you're right, the referee was letting things go that perhaps he shouldn't have done. Um, and, and kind of yeah, it felt to me like it was against us a lot of time. Although I'm sure that's not actually the case. Um, yeah, there was um, there was a moment with with Harry Kane and Neves. Where I think Neves was already on the yellow, maybe, and he made a really strong challenge on Kane that could have been given, but the referee didn't give it. And then Kane touched Neves, and Neves fell over. And the referee, he was thinking, mm-hmm. he, like you could see, he really wanted to do some damage to us, perhaps send somebody off. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I don't remember that one. Um, do we want to touch on Sun at all? It just seems to be not quite connecting so far. I think it's, well, Southampton aside, I think it's been two games where the opposition have set up very well against Mm us. Um, I mean, he's, but he does go through these spells. I just, I don't think it's worth getting too, too worked up about. I understand that the situation is different now because of Richarlison. Um, But again, I think that just means, that just means him coming on, you know, 55 minutes even, if we want to do it that way. And and I, I how did you feel about him off the bench? I, I think he's great. I think he just brings such good intensity. Yeah. And I think that, that works for us that way. I think, you know, have Sun's threat um, and then have Richarlison's fresh legs and and, and and get Son the rest and everything else. And that, that works fine. I really feel like it could work the other way around as well, though. You know, Son's the kind of player who can provide energy off the bench too. And I, I'm not saying drop Son. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I think what we have to do is change our mindset and be a bit more like... Klopp's Liverpool where sometimes Mane was on the bench last season and that wasn't an issue it was fine you know they got lots of good attacking players and I think it would be reasonable for Son to have been on the bench in this game and to be on the bench in the next game but you know come on be first sub and be first sub early as well so he's still seeing plenty of game time but uh, yeah Richardson looks really really feisty yeah, I I think so. I just I just <laughs> I'm probably having a, a an adverse reaction to a narrative that's like use Richarlison as a as a threat, you know, sure. teach him a lesson, make him apply stuff, which I don't really believe in at all because I've got no doubt over Son's um, intensity, work yeah. rate, you know, self responsibility, drive, all of those things. I don't think it's. I think it's almost a change in language. It's not dropping; it's rotating. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's okay. fair enough to rotate out Son at this moment after he's gone three games without a goal. I don't think. I don't think that's unfair. What's the point in having a, another brilliant attacking player if you're not going to use him? I, I, I yeah. think you know he's Richardson's cost us a lot of money. It's just why not? Why not? And I think um, th- those opportunities that Richardson were getting were balls over the top. And had Sun came on for the last twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. thirty minutes, he would have, he would have benefited off off those. Yeah, he's got such quick feet, Richardson. I um, I think we're going to enjoy him a lot this season. There's uh, yeah, a lot to come from him. Um, Ivan Victor says, "What did Conte get wrong and then get right in this game?" What do you think, Nathan? Do you think he set up poorly? So there's another question as well from Son Ranity. He says, "Has Conte's three four three been negated since Tuchel has shown how to do it?" Um, Wolves didn't set up in, in like the same way um, as Chelsea. There are a, a couple of mm-hmm. similarities. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I retweeted a thread um, by um, Marty. So at mtjtz underscore by the the retweet was was recent on on my profile so check it out there looking at the two different ways both in and out of possession and he looked at how um firstly it's worth talking about how um wolves blocked access into midfields very well and forced us out wide to our wing backs where they turned the ball over pretty well there um which which is a little bit like what we saw against chelsea um it's it's hard because Davinson came in. It's hard to say, oh, you know, all teams are going to use this particular mid block against us now, and that's a problem. I think we need another couple of matches with Romero back yeah. in to to begin to worry about that too much. But again, another thing to keep an eye on. What we did see, though, I think, is um, our pressing game exposed a little bit in this game. Um, Wolves are individually very strong on the ball, um, especially with Neves dropping in and stuff like that. But, um, okay, let's go back to when we first brought Conte in again. I did that video and I said, look, um, he's not um, a park the bus and counter Mm. guy. He's not a high press guy. He's both. And I think that uh, we also had questions at the time that like, hey, Conte's been around. He's been doing this stuff for a long time. When when are Conte's ideas going to be outdated? And largely the feeling at the time was, well, not really. Everything still seems to stand up pretty well. You know, just one Serie A. I think if there is an area where Conte is beginning to fall a little bit behind the best of the best. It's um it's in that particular area. So it's um so yeah, he's something of a a generalist defensively, right? He can he can set up deep for one game, he can have his team press high in another game, he can do a mid block in between. Um but where the very best pressing coaches in the world have have, have pushed the envelope on on high pressing and not just high pressing in terms of pressing on the way to keeper but also more sort of trap based um medium high pressing like you see with liverpool and and sort of more german managers generally um football has evolved in both the high press and the solutions to the high press and i think that is an area where yeah can conte coach a high press definitely and we and we've seen Mm -hmm. that um, function well in two and a half games, maybe, um, but he's not on the same level as 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 Klopp, as Pochettino, as Guardiola, um, as Tuchel, and so maybe maybe this season we'll see a trend of and obviously teams are limited by the technical skill of their defenders, right? But maybe we'll see um, some really good passing teams draw us out and open us up as Conte does to so many teams um, himself right so maybe that's something to keep an eye on and I think Wolves did a really good job there or we just adjust and the two midfielders aren't quite so aggressive now they support the press and we don't press as deep as defender and uh, things work but out I, I, but I really felt like we were at our best in this game where the two central midfielders were the most aggressive it's just it's risky yeah. I think it was really risky in this game yeah and I think you're right that Romero negates some of that risk because he 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 yeah. can basically he just moves forward with the press he he sort of gives up on on hanging back like a midfielder yeah exactly he's um He's a vibes defender, you know, like, and I mean that in the best possible way. He has a really good tactical understanding, but also just a good intuition for how the game's going. He knows when to jump into midfield and when not to. Sanchez is not going to do that. And if he does do that, he's going to take his man down and he's going to be clumsy about it. Romero is just so smooth. He's just going to move forward with the, with the flow of the game. And, um, yeah, I think that, I think it's not something we need to worry about. And we especially don't need to worry about this because we're good at set pieces now, Bardi. We're, we're the set piece team. 
We are good at set pieces. It was a there was a bit of a confusion why Sun was taking all the corners instead of Perisic, who delivered some beauties against Chelsea. But it, it, it worked nicely for us, and um, it was a good old stooping stooping header to flick it on. It was quite nice. It's quite a nice corner. Do, do you think that was an underhit Sun uh, corner, yeah. uh, which Perisic made something of, or do you think it was deliberate? It was a definite jazz improvisation vibe on that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the- that wasn't my impression. Uh, but I want to go back and watch before I put too many chips. I on mean, there. I think what certainly was not uh, improvised was the way we got Kane free in the box. Yes, I, there's no debate about yes. that. that. That's something we've seen not just Kane but other players we've seen several times already this season. You know, managing to draw defenders away and leave players essentially free at the back post. Um, I, if it was rehearsed, I just don't think it would be that low. He wouldn't. He would have gone a little bit higher. Be, I think he underhit it for sure. So, so perhaps it was the intention, but the um, the execution mm-hmm. was a little off. But Perisic yeah. made the most of it anyway because he's he's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thirty five more one nils with goals from corners. <laughs> um, you know me. I'm, I'm all for one nils. I would have. I'm upset. It's already gone. The possibility. But if we could do the rest of the season one nil, one nil, one nil, I'd be well up for that. Mm. As as one nils go, they have been they have been pretty inter- <laughs> pretty entertaining one, right? It's uh, no, but, it's not just score early and and then park mm. the bus and is is. But I, but know, I really uh, think that this is just early season Spurs. We're not quite there yet in terms of our fitness. Sure. I I think once everything clicks, once Son clicks, I think we're going to be absolutely fine. There's nothing to worry about, and the the main thing is we've got over the line in two out of our three games and we got a, a crucial draw in the other one, which means we're seven points up on the points from last season despite not having played particularly well in two out of our three games. Uh, that's, I mean, a, that's a nice place fixtures. to be. It's kind of just, it's very Spursy in the sense that we're being down on what we're doing because of what others are doing. Arsenal have walked through their first three games. Uh, I'm, against, not, I'm not against, paying the seconds thought. No, but, it, but it's, a, it's a factor. It's a factor out there to the general consensus. Mm. Had, had they drawn a game or two, then we would be thinking exactly like you just said, we're, we're up on points from last year. Um, but, They've just smashed a load of trash, and it's it's affecting everybody's mood. Yeah, they 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 have weaknesses in the same way we have weaknesses, and they they will be exposed at some point. And they're gonna fall hard, right? They're they're too high, 100%. and they're gonna come crashing down. Hundred percent. Uh, Jonathan, who actually asked a couple of questions, one of them about Bentancur, and I think we kind of covered that. But he says, uh, do you expect Conte's substitution patterns to change once we start playing twice a week? And if so, how? So it was quite interesting, I thought, that um, Conte only made three out of five substitutions and he didn't make any until the 75th minute when he brought Sessegnon and Richardson on. Uh, and then he brought Basuma on a little later. Um, yeah, what do you make of that? It's a full 10 minutes after the goal. Hmm. Didn't feel like Conte to me. Like we're we're, we're expecting both fullbacks, both wingbacks replaced on sixty minutes every game, and yeah, we saw one replaced on seventy-five. Who one who's returned? I from wonder injury. if I wonder if in this particular game he um, first of all was chasing the game and didn't want to change anything that way, right? Because they just had their halftime instructions and things have changed there. And then he wants to see what the game looks like after the after Spurs are one up, right? Are Wolves gonna? push up and leave themselves vulnerable. Can we get Son a goal mm. and, and change him sure. around, you know? Um, let's let's take it because it's a very different game. Every Conte game is very, very different after the first goal. So maybe he wanted a glance at that first and then by then there's not that much to be done. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could have just, you know, made four in, at once on the 
on the 76 minute or whatever. But um, yeah, we, we only saw four in total against Chelsea. So at this rate, it will be none in a few weeks' time, mm-hmm. right? Um, interesting. I just think the 60 minute substitution at Tottenham is so ingrained into our mindset. It's something that we've been living with for the last um, eight years or so. It's like, it's like, it's yeah. like my dog. It gets to five o'clock and the dog is like, it's dinner time. He's not even hungry. I yeah. could have fed <laughs> it at four o'clock and it gets to five. It's like, oh, it's dinner time. And I think we're just so used to Pochettino making his 60-minute subs and it's just something that we always look to. 59 minutes, oh, he hasn't make a, made a sub yet. What's going on? Mm-hmm. You've got to see, every game is different. It's not um, it's not playing playing piano by, what do you call it? By You know you get those guitar books and it tells you how to play the guitar. It's not musical notes, it's just... Tablature. Tablature, yeah. And every game is different. So you've got to see what's happening. And we've, we've mentioned vibes three or four times now. Got to listen to the vibes, man. See which way the game is going and play it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, the promising thing I would say is that all the subs had a nice impact. Uh, I, I thought Sessegnon looked really nice and fresh. Richarlison obviously had a, a big impact coming on driving forward. And um, and Basuma too looked, looked nice when he came on in midfield. Uh, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> I, I just got pinged on Discord. Um, apparently in his video, I'm guessing today, Ali Gold mentioned that Vio is only working on attacking set pieces and not defensive ones, which is interesting. And not entirely shocking. No, well, based on what we've seen. Shocking as in you wouldn't guess it, but based on what we've seen, right? We've used the same defensive setup as we did mm. at the end of last season without any changes. Um, and also, in more simple terms, we've been phenomenal from attacking set of pieces and we've 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 let one in and maybe looked a little vulnerable outside of that too defensively. I wonder if that's just for the time being. I wonder if it's, hey, I can make a difference mm-hmm. on attacking set of pieces. Let's do that for now mm-hmm. and then later down the line um, we'll do defensive ones when I have more time. But what you've definitely seen... Um, it's very different looks game to game on attacking set pieces, right? That flick on from front to back is a classic among set piece coaches, but um, not what we'd seen previously so much, I think. So it looks very... And this is the benefit. <laughs> I will try to finish a whole sentence. <laughs> this is the benefit of, of having um, a dedicated set piece coach. It's like Conte's a very, very smart man in uh, especially in football football circumstances right but it's about the dedication of time he is already a workaholic he's already putting in insane hours and levels of dedication to have someone whose whole job is to say hey we've got wolves coming up next week i'm going to watch them defend their last 80 (laughs) corners and pick apart all of the patterns and all of the tendencies and look for the holes and then devise two or three different plans for how to do that and then how to turn those plans into a coaching session. It's about time and and mental dedication. Mm -hmm. And so for us to keep coming up with... Because... (laughs) <laughs> I did it again. Um, because you, you can go back to when I've done previous set piece videos where it's like, oh, we're doing some set pieces under Mourinho. Oh, we're doing some mm-hmm. set pieces under Pochettino and that's great. And for a, for four weeks, we threaten from them and we score a handful of goals and then it stops because we stop training them or because teams that that's our set piece now for the rest of the season and the season after that. And teams are prepared for that. But to have someone whose sole role is to change what we're doing every week, one training session, one training session before a game, here's some set pieces. And look what he's doing for us. Uh, arguably four points from that, from one training session a week. What is everyone doing? What were we doing yeah. before this? Money on the table. Yeah, yeah. We are delighted to be partnered with Athletic Greens. And I shall once again hand over to my uh, my sidekick and best friend. 
So I started taking AG1 to improve my health and each week I've spoken about something related to the supplement. But today I want to talk about the big D, vitamin D, <laughs> athletic greens, <laughs> athletic greens, vitamin D3 plus K2. Windy, do you know why it's essential to get a hit of D every day? No, I don't know why it's essential to get a hit of D every day. Why is it essential? Vitamin D is essential for your bones and calcium absorption. Normally the UK is pretty cloudy. Getting vitamin D from food is tough. So adding it to your diet is important. AG1 comes with a little bottle and a dropper of vitamin D, so it's easy to top up your levels. If you're training like I am, being topped up with vitamin D reduces risk of injury, improves muscle health and aids recovery. So if AG1, think of AG1 as Perisic flicking on the corner. <laughs> adding a drop of AG Green's vitamin D3 and K2 is like Harry Kane at the back post, just tapping it in. So just tap it into your smoothie every morning. Oh, beautiful stuff, buddy. Beautiful stuff. So Athletic Greens was created when the founder had some uh, gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine, which cost him $100 a day. Um, so he figured out uh, something that could could do that for him for a lot cheaper. Tons of people do take some kind of multivitamin, but it's, uh, it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the date and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Vardy, I saw you. I saw you on Nathan's video uh, talking Hoybier. It was um, it was nice to do one of these videos finally and get a, get an idea behind it and just just see breaking down the moments in isolation. It was it was um, eye opening. I um I thought your analysis. I thought your observations were excellent throughout. I didn't agree with some of your conclusions, but um, really, really good stuff. It was fascinating um, to get the insight of, of you and Nathan. Some, yeah, really astute observations, I thought. I just I just think it's important because I know it's become a bit of a meme now and it's just something that has mm. stuck with me that Barty thinks Scheuberg is a cement mixer. And it's... It's, fu- it's I, funny. It's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> and, he does upset me and he does annoy me. And I was really I'm surprised we didn't go into it. And, I'm, and I was really disappointed with him on Saturday. And But there's there's more to my disappointment. And there's reasons for it that he's a, he's a fine player, as I, get, as I spoke about that in the video. And I think it's probably a question later on. But yeah, what, become a patriot and watch the video. <laughs> uh, Windy, how much do you want from Real Madrid? For Huib, yeah. Uh, given yeah. that we don't need to sell and they, yeah, they've just sold... A thirty-year-old to Manchester United for eighty million. I want eighty million. <laughs> You're not going to get that. <laughs> then no deal. You know. There's, okay. there's, there's, right. Why would we sell our first choice best midfielder for eighty for anything less than eighty million at this stage? Because we can get a substantial overpay if it's forty or fifty million. Because we could turn that into a a different option of player to the one that we've got, who could be an upgrade and hobby on the ball, even if not but, off. But what if they ended up not being an upgrade? <laughs> Then, then we've still got Basuma, Bentancur, sure, and Skip to sure. rotate through. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, I just think it's a bad idea to sell, and clearly, is not for sale. It's it's late in the window. It's not convenient, but my ears are open to to well, a ludicrous. I think offer. the other thing about Hoybier is that he's he's a big character. He's a big he's a big sure. part of the squad. Um, you don't want to lose someone like that when you're just starting a season really strongly. It's it would be absolute insanity. Uh, player of the match on Saturday. 
No, he wasn't. He he was playing the match according to Jermaine Genus, who who's the worst kind of. If he was on catchphrase, he'd be like, "Say what you see." He'd just be repeating the things that are on the screen. The last ten minutes, Schoenberg <laughs> had had a pretty solid ten minutes. Did a lovely run to the corner flag, and then got the crowd all riled up. But that's all. That's all Genus remembers. He's an idiot. The actual Spurs fan base, proper coys, they went and voted Perisic. So um, all these vanilla accounts out there taking shots at me, don't. Get your facts right. And it's, and it's player of the match, not man of the match as well. <laughs> that, is, that is correct. It is player of the match now. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 thought he, I thought he played well. I thought he had a good game. I thought, that, like, I, I thought the choice for player of the match could have been any one of Hoybier, Kulosevsky, Perisic and probably Emerson Royale to be honest I thought he had a tidy game as well no we haven't talked about him yeah, have I we? thought he was really really tidy He's, he is also starting a lot <laughs> yeah I mean I, I, I'm desperate for Spence to come in at some point I think I, I, I really like the effort that Emerson Royale is putting in I think he's a, a very solid defender I think he is okay on transitions I think he's a little weak in the final third I think Spence will absolutely revolutionise our right hand side but Obviously, it's so early for him. He's got to learn the system. He's got to show that he can compete with, you know, Premier League players as opposed to Championship players. So I'm all for him being brought through slowly across the season. Uh, I kind of like the approach that uh, that Conte's taken with him, to be honest. But um, I'm expecting big things from him in the second half of the season. He's incredibly enthusiastic. I don't think I've seen a player that that happy just to be to be playing. And it, there's there's always a moment when he he'll, he'll do a back heel or something, and you could see there's just a pause, and then he does it, and then he's just like, "Yeah, I did it," <laughs> and he's really happy. If he's he had so likable. Like he's him. such a likable yeah. guy, isn't he, Emerson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, Nathan, you did a Pape Matasa video. Yeah, ages back, and we forgot to talk about yeah. it, and. It was good. Um, it was, I don't know. It was good. We, okay. It was really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we we didn't we didn't do a dive. We forgot we got distracted by a different uh, bit of content or something. But I just wanted to uh because <laughs> there are some people who only consume um, the podcast <laughs> and don't see tweets or whatever. So I just thought mm-hmm. I'd mention there's a SAR video in case you're interested. Yeah, and I I, I would I would say um, SAR. So it it did change my perspective on SAR a little bit. Because I, I'd kind okay, of watched him in preseason, and I thought he was really smooth, and um, um, yeah, I didn't sort of notice any major technical flaws. And actually, I don't want to give the video away, but you did highlight there's some clunkiness there. Um, some of it reminded me a little bit of Musa Sissoko, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I can see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So at the moment, we do have an offer on our Patreon. So we've we've temporarily for the next week turned on the maximum discount for annual subscriptions. That's sixteen percent off annual subscriptions. So if you were thinking of uh, of turning your monthly sub into an annual sub, then now is the right time to do it. Um, if you've never given it a go and and you kind of like the sound of what we're talking about here, then by all means sign up, binge the videos in a month, and unsubscribe immediately. And you've you've paid a you've paid nothing for a hell of a lot of content. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you over on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Uh, next up is Nottingham Forest. Uh, it's really hard to know what to expect from them because they basically signed a whole new team. Um, any any observations so far, Nathan, from Forest? They, they're playing a sort of 3-4-1-2, I guess you would call it. Um, I like Awoni. He was on my 
my my list of of backup forward options. Um, yeah, they've obviously brought in a bunch of players. It's a meme. Um, I don't know who is reasonably actually going to be in contention to get into the starting eleven or anything like I that. Um, I haven't watched them um, really. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to know. What they to drew expect. with the worst team in the country last week. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's it. That's all I got. Uh, they've got some really good attacking players. You know, I've spoken about my admiration for Gibbs White before. I think he's a good player. I think Emmanuel Dennis was very impressive for Watford last year. He's a dangerous player for sure. Brennan Johnson's good. So and like you say, um, good forward as well. So there are players to um, to trouble us, uh, but. You would also expect some betting in time, some time for the players to get to know one another before they really um, explode. So we're probably paying them a good time, I would say. Uh, so it's worked out fairly well. Yeah, I think so. I did, yeah, I think it's a good time to play them before they are settled. I think it's one of those games, I think if we go 1-0 down, it could be really difficult. Mm. Um, Sebastian says, what positions do you think we need to win the league? I feel we're a forward and defender away from having a trophy winning team. Curious what you guys think. And I kind of, um, I wanted to talk about this question this week in particular because we've seen dropped points from uh, our rivals. And I've consistently said that Spurs need to put themselves in a position as the third best team where they are ready to pounce if the teams, any, either the teams above us stutter at all. Um, and I, th- I do think there's an opportunity. I think there's a, a you know, City are a ridiculously good team and will probably piss the league. But what if they don't? <laughs> let's 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 give ourselves a chance. And there is some time left in the window for a little bit more business. Uh, Nathan, what do you think are the key areas that you would like to see strengthened in the remaining days of a transfer window? An additional right-footed mm-hmm. centre back. Who might who might that um, be? Who might that be? Um, so I did a very quick turnaround list, not on, on a spreadsheet or anything. Um, and I wanted to go for um, like younger understudy type players. So um, Max Lacroix, 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 Gonzalo Inacio, uh, Like Bade, um, uh, kind of looking for players who can play the right-sided role and maybe the central role, like who could could cover both and be understudies to both and see the pitch um, that way. Um, players who still have rawness, who still have downside, who, who are still uncertain, who would take a while to adapt, I think um, I have to acknowledge with all of these because we can't go out and spend 50 million on a backup, right? Um, and maybe some of these guys are getting towards that price just because they are, they're like high potential players. Um, what I'm trying to say here is that I think it's a difficult one. I think it's a difficult um, spot. So I'm not like too livid at the club that they haven't just gone out and done that. Like it's an easy thing to do. Um, if Especially if you want that that cover for two different roles, which I think Davinson Sanchez definitely can do defensively, definitely can't do offensively. Um so it's uh, it's a bit of a unicorn, but I think it's I think it's doable. Maybe I look more into if, it. If if the question were if the question were to win the league, which centre back do you sign? So like not looking at sort of the young guys that are a bit flawed and could be back up to win the league, which centre back do you sign? Who? So we're talking now. Maybe they've replaced Dyer. They're not just the understudy to Dyer. Who 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 are you thinking? Um, to replace Dyer, uh, give me one second. I mean, just throwing a name out there who is is going to cost an absolute fortune, but I think is so good. Uh, Mark Gay, I think he's an unbelievable. I don't think you can play him central. No, um, you could. So again, even if you're even if you're not looking at prospects for this role, even if you want a finished product, there's still not a ton of players. I think 
Um, I spent a while looking for left footers. Maybe I could look better for, for right footers, right? There's players who like lead more one way. So Mark G- uh, Gay is like um, super aggressive. And I think that would be difficult to play him in the central role. You've got players like John Stones, um, who are who really suited to the central role, wide role they can do, definitely on the ball, I think. Um, maybe a, not a perfect fit off ball. Um, there's one player who can definitely play central and can definitely play wide called Kim Min Jae. Mm. Um, but there's question marks over general level of ability there. I think he's good, but uh, it's too, it's too still a gamble. He's gone. Um, yeah, oh, he's yeah, gone. Yeah. Did he, he move? Did. Oh, where did he Napoli. go? Napoli. Oh, I missed that. Okay. Scored today. Never mind. I I I got kind of excited about him. There, there was a there's a report about him, and I went back and watched loads of tape, and I really, really liked Kim Min I think he's like Harry Maguire when Harry Maguire was good. <laughs> Harry Maguire. Harry is Maguire is good. good. Why don't we inquire for Harry Maguire? About Chelsea have done. He, he would be um, a really one solid more, signing. Uh Jonathan Tarr at Leverkusen, okay. I think, would be a potential. And he and he's like a he'd be expensive. Yeah, he's a peak age. He's older than our current options. Um but yeah, could would would definitely directly contend with Dyer and I think could probably do the wide role too. Nice. Nice. Uh, really impressed with the Wolves centre-backs, by the way. Both um, Collins and Kilman, both highly competent yeah. in possession. I mean, Kilman is an excellent carrier. Collins is an excellent passer. That's a nice blend for them. Kilman isn't the worst idea. Left-footed, though. Plays left mm. side. Wait, no. Hang on. He plays left side and... He's very yes. left-footed. I don't know why. I imagined he's, something else. It's because Gay Gay Who am is right-footed of? and plays on the left. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm getting them mixed up. I think you're right. Yeah, um, Bardi. Any other positions you'd like to see us strengthen? Um, I'd like us to sign a third midfielder, someone so we could play a three-five-two, someone a bit different, someone who. Um, that's why I wouldn't be against selling Joyberg for forty, fifty million, and then reinvesting that in someone who could play in a free with Basuma and Bentenko or something. So um, I'd like a third midfielder. Stop shaking your head, Windy. <laughs> You asked me my opinion. Now you're shaking your head at my opinion. I, I, I damn vote that comment. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> what about the Kulisevsky understudy? It, it seems like Brian Hill wants to leave and Conte is willing to let him leave, but won't do so without re- replacing him first. Oh, yeah, we're linked. We're linked with that. We haven't talked about him. Um, how do you say his name? Milanovsky? Yes, close enough. Yeah. Uh, so he... Already plays the substitute role for Atalanta. Did we talk about him on the previous pod? If I, I don't this? know that we did. No, we didn't. Okay, all right. So he 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 already plays the substitute role very very well. Okay. Um, he is a super uh, um, what's the word I want here? Like adventurous, very risk taking player. He reminds me a lot he of try, um, he tries Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, every time he tries shit. So um, it's either a long shot or it's a like disguised through ball, basically. Um, or he's a good dribbler too, but then that's just to set up a, a through ball or a long <laughs> shot, right? Um, is he 29? Yes. 29. Or something like Malinowski. that. Yeah. Malinowski, not Malinowski. Malinowski. Um, yeah, I think he's really good. And I think that he's good for the role. Uh, the only fear would be his, like, his super directness, but maybe that's maybe that's what you want from the guy who comes off the bench with Kulusevsky is to just immediately try things, immediately try things. I guess if you're seeing out a win, um, you might ask him to do something different uh, and that might be difficult. But outside of that, I think that he is just a really good technical player. Um, left footed, plays mostly inside right. 
has played actually more than has played plays a bit of of three man midfield mm. and therefore could give us that option. But um, then we thought that I also think could yeah, do yeah, that. yeah, and it just hasn't yeah, happened. But, but unlike whereas I think Kudelski could do that role, uh, he does okay. he does do that role, right? So there's a bit of a difference there. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I also think that you could just play, play Brian Hill, but um, yeah, this is an upgrade. Yeah, I do. Sure. In terms of now, this sure. Is an upgrade. I don't like his age profile. He he has just scored this evening for Atalanta, but he's, it's his age profile that that puts me off. That is the other thing. I think at this point we're getting quite old. Mm. Yeah, we've we've added a lot of now mm-hmm. players, and I think you have to do that to mm-hmm. an extent. It's something that I have underplayed in the past in terms of buying pitch ready players right players who are going to win the next match um we've done a bit of that now and i think that you can definitely go too far with that so that is that's one point for hill um i think there yeah yeah i um i feel like we could stumble into brian hill having a good season by just not getting that player over the line and then having to use him because i feel like hill is a very talented player who's just sort of bubbling under and ready for a, a breakout. But you're right that he, Malinovsky, would be an instant sort of, yes, he's good to go immediately. Uh, whereas Hill might need to feel his way in for a quarter of a season first, perhaps in some of the lesser games. So it would make a lot of sense. Uh, so Leonardo Dosaretz said, after listening to Bardi's defence of his, Hjoibier uh, is rubbish, Hill, Hill, G-I-L, I found myself once again comparing our beloved Hoybier to shiny new toy Ben 10. While their skill sets are fairly similar, I thought Ben 10 was going to be more technical and a better passer than Hoybier. That hasn't been the case in my opinion. He is perhaps a bit tidier, and I admit he's a better dribbler, but he hasn't been much more influential in attack and is not quite as sturdy a defender as Hoybier. Do you have a different read on this? Is it still too early in his Spurs career to tell if he has room for improvement? Who do you think are the two starting central midfielders in big matches down the stretch? So um, we ought to let Bardi respond first as it's uh, kind of in response to him. Yeah, so I think that's fair. I think we haven't seen as much attacking output from Bentenko as I would have liked or as I expected. Um, I tipped him to have a big season this year. We haven't quite seen it yet. I think he's been good in parts. I thought he was really good in the second half. Um, Yeah, so it's one of those things that... I, at the moment, I, again, I'm getting told off for, for <laughs> criticising Schoeberg <laughs> and then looking at Benton Cohen, he's not doing anything similar. He's not doing anything better. And I don't think that's something that you can use to to disprove my um, Schoeberg theory. Anyway, because a lot of time we praise Schoeberg for um, for things he should be doing and for for like it's like complimenting someone for not smelling of of body odor. Hjoiberg does the simple things well, but I would expect any professional <laughs> footballer of an international level to do what Hjoiberg does perfectly well. I have a condition, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think Hjoiberg gets so much credit for doing very little. I haven't seen a Spurs player in my lifetime with that kind of with that kind of easy credit. Um, I do think Hjoiberg tries uh, Bentenko tries to be a little bit more, and I can, I think the ceiling is a lot higher on Bentenko. I just don't think Hjoiberg doesn't get any better. This is him maxed out. This is him in fifth gear, pedal to the floor at one hundred. At, at, sorry, at seventy one miles an hour. He, you're not going to overtake anybody with him. I think he can be sold. Real Madrid want to spend fifty million. Let's take that fifty million and then spend it. A lot of the criticism is well, oh well, we won't spend it wisely. Why not? We seem to be spending wisely at the moment. So I trust us with fifty million. I trust Paratici and Conte to spend that money wisely. Yeah, I I know. 
Bentancur hasn't been great, but his ceiling is much higher than, than Schoeberg. I, I think he has been pretty great, to be honest, C- considering he's... You know, Who, brand, Schoeberg? Uh, Bentancur. I think Bentancur, he has been, but I, could, I, I like want All more. things considered, in terms of like you know joining a new league and instantly hitting the ground running, uh, I don't think Bentancur is a fabulous footballer. I think he is like a solid 7 out of 10 footballer. He is... Uh, so the characterization I think you give Bentancur is that he's a better passer than Schoeberg. I don't see that. I think he's a much safer... Um, less, he's more risk averse. Um, he's very good at changing the angle of attack. He's very good at just moving the ball side to side, and that is there's definitely a place for that in the team. Whereas Hoybier, I think, is is the much more progressive. I mean, he is the more progressive passer. The, the data says that he's the more progressive passer. He just is, and the eye test agrees. Um, but the thing that, and I forgot to say this in my last pod, so I tweeted it after. The thing that really impresses me about Hoybier is he goes from volume passing, volume passing, volume passing, volume passing. You know, he's 92nd percentile for passes attempted in out of central midfielders in the top five leagues. Um, and yet somehow he then goes, wow, I'm just going to play a immaculate through ball to Kane on like out of nowhere. And it's not like he's trying those all the time, but he, he kind of hits the mark on them. And your point in the video, and I'm spoiling the video a little bit, is mm. he's really good when he's not pressed. And I agree. Yes. I think I think he's really good when he's not pressed, but that's when he picks his moments to play the passes. And I think that's a really good sort of um, self-awareness from Hjoibier. He knows when to just keep the ball, maintain possession, not try anything too risky. And when he's got a moment, he'll do something actually quite special. We've seen him chip really nice passes over the top for unrushing players. We've seen him play kind of through balls. I've not seen that quite so much from Bentancourt. And I'm not saying that's a problem because I think they complement each other quite well. And I'll also say that Bentancourt's pressing when it's good is really, really good. Um it's better than Schoeberg's. I, I I swear to God, there's there's a difference of seeing Schoeberg live because I I watch this guy live and I come out of there angry with him because he's not moving around the pitch. He's not offering angles. He's got great percent pass percentage. He he picks the he stands next to Dyer, picks the ball up, passes it to Dyer, or passes it into midfield and gets it back. So he's got great pass percentage because of the passes that he he does. And yes, they're progressive because they're two yards forwards. But it's in his own half and it comes straight back to him. But he he's off the ball, off the ball, he's horrendous. Turning back and, and getting chasing the ball down, he's not very good. And I think his tackling is is weak. And he's just he's just a meh. He's just a he's he's got a good long pass. When he's giving him time, he'll chip it in. Tiger Woods, chip it over the top and he's fine. <laughs> Give him time. He's got a nice sandwich. But um I think under pressure he cracks. Against faster teams, he can't cope with it. And he's just he's just an all-round fine player. I mean, he's a good player. Had he been had he been around Spurs ninety in the nineties, I would think he's not a great to ever centre midfielder. But he's not. He's a, he's at an age where we we need a little bit more from that role. And I just don't think there's any more juice to squeeze out of him. So if Real Madrid want him, sell him. Nathan, um, intervene. Um, he is consistently in the like ninety plus percentile for for ball progression measured in total distance rather than just um accounting individual passes forward he outshines bentoncourt uh in that regard i meant to put it in the video i meant to because i had the match statistics on on ball progression from that video and he was um second i think behind dyer I don't know, and yet you you watch them and you do get that unease. But as I talked about in the video, I, th- I think that that could be an aesthetic thing. Um, 
I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Oh, everything I feel, I, I'm just repeating what I said in the video, and I'm relaxing yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, that's fine. Bardi's, Bardi's grown up watching these really kind of classy, elegant, flamboyant Italian midfielders who know, like receive the ball into feet immaculately. They, they don't need a second touch to get it out of their feet. They just, they take it on the half turn and they just move the ball forward with with ease. They're just kind of, the ball's gliding off, off both feet. And so watching a player like Huey Bier, who the end result is the same, but the process for getting there is different, is an affront to Bardi. Uh, and and that's the that I think is the crux of it. I think you have to like <laughs> what you need to do is close your eyes every time he receives the ball, and then open again once he's moved the ball on. You you yeah. know what you are, Windy. You're the kind of person that when they have a pancake, uses a fish slice to 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 flip it instead of just flicking it into the air. I like my things tossed and a bit of fucking pizzazz around it. I don't want it just turned over <laughs> with no with, with no with no wow. Quick. Quick fire round. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with each of these players, but would you swap Hoybier for uh, Fabian Ruiz? Yes. No. Uh, Ezekiel Palacios? Um, don't know. Okay. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul? Um, just because he's just because of the surname. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Maxime Lopez? Uh, don't know. Uh, Ishmael Benassa? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd swap him for him. Yeah. I'd swap him for um, Fif- Tonali as well. I know you wouldn't, but I'd swap him for Tonali. No, dear God, no. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Vanessa has a, a publicly reported £15 million pounds release clause. Let's do it. J- just saying, in case anyone's <laughs> listening. I, I think we have to say that is the last we're going to talk about Pierre-Mille Hoybier on this podcast for some weeks. Unless something like, unless, unless he scores week. again yeah. next week or, you know, or gets Until sent off. Until we sell him to Real yeah, Madrid. Exactly. Then, then stop indirecting me on Twitter, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.